For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue. Um, from all of us at Scouted, we hope you've enjoyed the recent features, books, podcast episodes and website pieces we've shared with you since the beginning of this season. Uh, we're delighted with the feedback and would ask if you're particularly fond of this podcast or a particular episode uh, to leave us a review on whichever streaming platform you use, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., Um, If you're feeling extra generous, uh, do check out our Patreon, where there have been plenty of exclusive pieces and the new Scouted Football Unfiltered podcast. Uh, Today, though, another guest, another expert, somebody who's very well versed on the topic of Scots abroad, uh, mainly because he is one. Uh, Byron Hutchison hails from Dunfermline, if I'm not mistaken, but currently resides in the German city of Cologne. Uh, He works for the Bundesliga, runs the Football From Afar blog, and has also dabbled in football data and recruitment work, as well as contributing to the upcoming edition of the Scouted Football Handbook. Um, Byron, thank you very much for your time. How, How are things? Hi, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, really looking forward to getting into this topic today because I feel like there's there's often quite a lot of discussion around English players abroad, but there are, there are you know quite a few honourable mentions as we'll as we'll get to, and quite a few players to discuss, uh, in, including those under the age of twenty three uh, who are who are Scottish, and I think it deserves to have a have a bit of a, a light sh- shone on it, and that's not just because we've got a very big listenership in Scotland either. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a nice little niche, and I think uh, particularly for Scotland, um, it, it's something that's a bit rarer than you might see from English players. There's obviously a bigger pool of talent in England, and you have have quite a few guys going abroad and and playing at quite a high level. When you think of Sancho or Tammy Abraham and things like that, um, but for Scotland, it's a bit it's a bit rarer. Uh, we have a bit of a a good history of players going abroad. When you think of Graham Souness or um, mm. Steve Archibald at Barcelona and and things like that, we've had players at a high level, but it doesn't always happen. It doesn't happen too often. So even now, the list is limited to about twenty in total, I think. But uh, yeah. Before we start, I'd like to, to get to know you a little bit better and for, for people to get to know you a little bit better. Obviously, I mentioned the, the football data and recruitment work, working for the Bundesliga, football from afar. You know, what, what's sort of a, a brief rundown of your, your footballing experience? Uh, yes, quite, it's actually quite a lot. I think um, my, my girlfriend would probably tell you that I watch too much football, spend too much time <laughs> thinking and, and writing about football and then obviously do it for a living for the Bundesliga. So I work for the Bundesliga in social media and marketing. I'm sort of responsible for almost everything that goes out aside from our, our Chinese content. Um, but even that still falls within my remit somehow. Uh, I've been doing that for about three years or just over three years um, now work and live in Cologne, like you said, um, and have been here for, well, I guess technically three years, although the pandemic um, meant I was back and forth between uh, home and Scotland, Dunfermline, as you rightly say, and uh, and Cologne. Um, and then beyond that, I've also began to, the football from afar stuff and the, the data, uh, data work and the recruitment work kind of coincided with each other in the last couple of years. Um, so recently I've done some work with a, a couple of clubs um, in Scotland and the Scottish Premiership, some slightly lower down um, and some uh, some stuff for EFL clubs too. And a little dabbled a little bit with a couple of German clubs uh, in terms of helping, helping them uh, shape the recruitment, doing some scout reports, that sort of thing. 
Um, and then football from afar uh, came around as a as really a bit of a hobby, but a way for me to get my voice out there as a, as a Bundesliga employee. It's not always, or a DFL employee, it's not always easy to be open and honest with your footballing opinion. Um, and I obviously felt like I had had plenty to say about football and needed somewhere to, to sort of channel that energy. And I've always had an interest in the players playing abroad. Um, and like you say, I'm a, a Scottish Scottish person. I was going to say a Scottish player there. A Scottish person <laughs> that's uh, that's moved abroad myself. It's always been a topic that's interested me. I've always found it a little bit romantic. So um, eventually, after being pushed by uh, a, a colleague at the Bundesliga, actually Stuart Telford, um, who's in charge of the English English website Bundesliga.com, um, to to start the blog and do it, um, I took the dive and. and and started doing some reporting on the players and particularly on my Twitter, um, doing match reports and covering them quite extensively. I'm fairly sure that if anybody does already follow you on Twitter, uh, they'll they'll be familiar with your your match reports on on games and, and players which which do concern Scottish players abroad. Uh, and that's obviously the the main topic of this this podcast. Um but one thing I do have to ask, again, going back to Twitter, your your profile picture on, on Twitter or your 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 display picture is yourself next to, to Thomas Muller. Is he as as, as jovial and, a, and as jokey a character as we, we've come to believe? Thomas Muller is a, a very funny man, I would say. Um, you know, he's obviously, what I would say about the Bayern Munich players in general is they're all extremely professional, as you would perhaps imagine a, a football club to be, but at Bayern Munich, the standards are even higher. Um, so he's generally in a very good mood, um, but he definitely can switch on when the camera comes on too. He's a very good showman. Um, but yeah, in general, I'd say he's a, he's a very happy chap and he's usually quite happy to oblige you and have some fun in front of a camera. So he doesn't disappoint. That makes me very, very happy because obviously, you know, it's you hear the whole don't meet your hero shtick and, you know, you, you like to think that people are exactly the same off camera as they are on camera. So that's, yeah, that's quite reassuring. So maybe maybe to bring you down a little bit. For some players, I would say that's certainly true. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But Thomas Miller, I would say, is, is an exception. He's a good guy on and off the camera. Lovely stuff. Anyway, let's get into the the main uh, section of this podcast, and that is, of course, Scottish players abroad. And uh, I think uh, you know, you, I, I don't want to, I don't want to attribute this player as your favourite uh, of of the Scots abroad at the moment, but he is the player who I do see most frequently on on your timeline. Uh, and you're probably going to correct me on the pronunciation of his surname because uh, it's Ewan Urain. Uh, who plays for Athletic Club's uh, B team or Bilbao Athletic? Uh, who's a 21-year-old striker, stands six foot three inches tall, um, and uh, he qualifies as a Scottish player, uh, because a Scot abroad rather, because he has a Scottish mother. Um, but it's a curious one, isn't it? Because of Athletic Club's background being that only Basque-born players, only players with Basque heritage can can represent the club. So it's quite a, a mishmash of nationalities there, isn't it? Yeah, you're right to say that Urain, I think your pronunciation was better than mine, to be honest, mate, but um, that Urain's probably one of my favourite. I think mostly because he's he's very interesting because of the background, because he was Spanish-born. Um, I believe he was born in a town called Durango, if I'm not mistaken, in the Basque country. His, his father's obviously Basque as well, so he qualifies for athletic cl- club through that and then obviously uh, for Scotland via his mother um, but I think he was one that was on my radar actually for a little while but I didn't have any confirmation of his connection to Scotland I just knew he was somehow connected um, and then I think I think the first place I actually saw it confirmed was via David Cartledge on Twitter um, when when Ewan started um, training or trained a little bit uh, last summer with the 
Athletic Club first team. Um, so credit to David for actually confirming um, that that was it was via his mother that he was um, connected to Scotland because I I actually hadn't confirmed it. I just had a suspicion before that. Um, but yeah, he's he's been at Athletic Club for a little while now, for I think four or five years, um, and it also played for their. I actually forget the name of it, but their um, I guess their reserve team or their their, their youth team that are somewhat affiliated with them um, for a season or two um, before moving to Athletic Club two proper. Yeah, he's a player who has an absolutely fantastic accent because uh, he's been he's been called up to the Scotland under twenty one group uh, in recent uh, months, uh, and you'll 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 have to confirm whether he's been called up for the most recent um, international break, uh, Byron, because I haven't done my research on that. I'm, I'm, I'm no, at pains no. to say. No, so I can can confirm for you that he was actually left out of the most recent uh, squad. So he was in the squad before, um, travelled to Turkey with the team, but he didn't actually play and has been left out this time. I know that uh, the, the under-21 management team were in touch with him and, and sort of said, you know, you're still very much within the scope of being called up again, but we want to take a look at a couple of different players. And I think um, there was a, a few forwards that got called up that was that were being called up for the first time uh, this time around. So that kind of speaks to that. And I think they're just exploring all of their options. Yeah, I think it, with it being a new under-21 cycle, um, yeah. that, 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 that definitely tallies and makes sense, I think. And and as I was saying, you know, he has a fantastic accent. And uh, for those for those of you who haven't heard it, he did do uh, a little uh, a little piece to camera uh, while, when he joined up to uh, to the Scotland squad. So uh, I'm just going to play that for you for you now. I got um, a call from Scott, and he asked me if I was um, eligible um, and if I would come. I told him I had um, I would be delighted to come here, and he well. Contacts keep uh, going on and I'm here playing for Scotland. It's uh, very special for me and for my family. So yeah, my mother, uh, she misses Scotland and I make her proud like this. Uh, but as well as that, as well as the fantastic accent, um, Ewan, Ewan Urain, who is, that's very difficult to say. It's tough, um, it's tough. just call him Ewan, it's fine. Ewan, yeah, Ewan, um, which is so much easier. Uh, he has also trained with the, the athletic first team as well, I believe, hasn't he, Byron? Yeah, so as I said last summer, he was called up uh, during preseason um, to train with the first team, and I think he's trained a little bit with them uh, this summer as well. Uh, although uh, he struggled with injury over the last couple of years, so I do know that at the start of the season they were taking things quite slowly with him. Uh, but he's a promising talent, and obviously, as we discussed the with the Basque region and and the rule that Athletic Club put in place in terms of who they have in their squads. Um, they're quite hopeful, I think, that he will be able to make a breakthrough. He, he recently signed an extended contract, I think, until 2024. Um, That's so always a good indicator, isn't it? Yeah, it shows they, they have some faith in him, I think. And uh, and he's developed really well. I think if you if you look at his actual stats and the data, he's even, despite the injuries, he's always had very good output um, despite the limited minutes. He's always making an impact in games. Um, like you say, he's six foot three. He's a bit of a target man character, I guess, if I were to sort of define him by a, an archetype that might be easier to understand, he's a bit of a, a Jiru sort of character in that his link-up plays pretty good, but he's also got a, a very good um, eye for goal in the box. His movement in the box is really quite good. Um, don't want to oversell it. You know, he's 21. He's still playing mm. for, the, for the second team, so it's not, you know, uh, I don't want to make it seem like he's the next 
Olivia Giroud, but uh, in terms of the type of player that he is, he kind of fits that mould a little bit, links up really well, is good with his back to goal, and then in the box, his movement's very good. He, he tends to score scrappy goals rather than beautiful goals, um, which, in fairness to Giroud, over the course of his career, scored a few crackers, but um, he, he tends to be the guy hoovering up things at the end. He, he'll be at the back post, the kind of right place, right time um, kind of guy in the box. Well, I suppose if there's going to be any sort of motivation or whether people can um, can say, oh, well, you know, I was ahead of the curve on this one. Lyndon Dykes was only playing uh, for Surfers Paradise Apollo uh, in Australia when he was 21. So, you know, he, he's currently a Scottish international. So we might see you in, uh, in future maybe maybe pulling on uh, the, the jersey. But um, moving on to a player with a name which is a lot easier to pronounce, uh, it's Aaron Hickey, who is uh, a 19-year-old left-back uh, at Bologna in Serie A. And um, in terms of how regularly he's playing uh, for, for, for his club side, um, he's probably the most... I don't want to say experienced because obviously he is younger than than many of the others in this list, but he is he he's playing at the highest level uh, repeatedly this season. I think that's fair to say. Um, but a little bit of a background on him: he left Hearts, uh, obviously one of the the biggest Edinburgh clubs, uh, as a youngster. Uh, took a bit of a big leap of faith, really, uh, and you know it's 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 paid off. You know he's he's entrusted with that that spot in the Bologna team. Starts regularly. Um, from what I've seen, seems to be quite an adept ball carrier. Um, but you know there there are uh, as as with many nineteen year olds there are you know n- little nicks to his game maybe maybe areas to improve but I mean at nineteen years old there's not there's not too much to 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 be you know rushing him uh, you know fast tracking him to to the senior setup at the moment is there? No, I think I think you're right though that the the move he made really paid off. So Hickey was quite sought after uh, when he was when he was muted to be living, leaving Hearts and he was he, he received interest, I believe, from Leon, but also pretty significant in, interest from Bayern Munich who invited him over. He did a tour of the campus, um, saw everything there. So there was there was real interest there. And in the end, he decided to go for Bologna. And as you say, he's now in a starting role at 19. So it's pretty safe to say he wouldn't be in that role ahead of Alfonso Davies at the moment. So um, he, he's made the right choice there in terms of his development and, and come along really well. Um, also should mention, I believe, uh, uh, Owen, Owen Brown did a, uh, a piece for the handbook a few years ago or a few, a few seasons ago, um, on Aaron Hickey. So worth reading that too. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's doing really well at Bologna. I think Hickey's an interesting one. Like you say, he's probably got the most, uh, interest and got people the most excited in Scotland in terms of the players that are currently playing abroad because of his age, because of the level he's playing at. Um, the thing I would like to caveat, and I don't want to bring up sort of football Twitter too much, is that every a lot of the things you can see on Twitter tend to be quite hyperbolic, and I feel like they're from people that haven't necessarily watched him mm-hmm. a whole lot. So I agree with you that while um, the fact that he's so young, the fact that he's playing at that level, those are all positives, and I also don't want to sound like I'm putting the player down because I think Hickey's a very interesting talent and he, he could become a very good player for Scotland. Um, but there are, like you say, areas of his game where where he's struggling a little bit. I think the things you mentioned, he's a he's a solid dribbler. His range of passing is really nice. I think in the, in the final third and breaking the lines um, when he's sort of advancing from that left back position, he's very good. He's he's decent with both feet. I think again, I say decent because it's an area that I think is is slightly overplayed by some people on Twitter. There's a lot of talk of his two footedness. Um, 
And while he's more than capable with his right foot, he's not he's not Santi Cazola. You're not you're not confu- <laughs> you're not confused as to which foot he he uses primarily. He's he's definitely left footed. He's definitely a left sided player. Um, I mean, maybe just some context for you, Joe, that uh, there's a lot of calls for him to be playing right back for Scotland because he. Mm. Uh, I've he seen those, right, yeah, yeah, because he played right back four times for Hearts, I think, when he was seventeen. Um, and I think there's and, probably a, a, a shade of the the Stephen O'Donnell discourse in there, maybe mixed yeah, in a little bit. Totally, yeah, you're totally right. Um, and it's also, like I say, it's also that he's playing at a good level and he's a young player, so people are. This is a, another thing that's true of sort of Scottish football in general. When when one of our players leave, whether it's Aaron Hickey, whether it's uh, Ryan Gold, or or whoever else, when they leave and go abroad, people are the fans of their previous club are very keen to see them do well. So Hearts fans are all in on Hickey. They they really want him to be the next superstar out there. But um, yeah, as I was saying, I think that there's a lot of good points to his game, but the things I think he struggles with are, are the physicality of the game at the moment. And it's one area of his game that kind of concerns me quite a bit because I'm not, you don't want to put a ceiling on someone's ability when they're 19, but I'm, I'm not so sure that he's ever going to be that sort of top tier athlete that you see playing wing back in the top five leagues, you know, an Akraf Hakimi or a Denzel Dumfries or something like that. He's he's not going to reach that kind of level physically, um, which is a bit of a worry for me. I also think he he struggles a little bit in defensive transitions, but I would also point to Bologna's lack of organization generally in that area um, for perhaps a reason for that. And then going forward, again, this is another thing where I think he's probably a lot more capable offensively than he's shown he has some good movement he likes to move in infield a little bit he picks up good good positions in half spaces and things like that and like I say his range of passing with both feet is really good so when he gets into those areas he tends to pick a good ball out um, but at the moment he's not really doing that too often and and just from my observations I get the sense that Mihailovic the, the manager is kind of limiting his role at the moment and kind of easing him into things it, it, I do get the sense that the the players around him are sometimes reluctant to give the ball to him in the final third, um, and he's often kind of on the periphery a little bit. But like I say, that could be a systematic decision where they're, they're sort of saying, okay, let's play down the right or or let's give it to the sort of more senior players and let Aaron just focus on keeping things tight at the back uh, at the moment. But in general, um, he's obviously a very good player and I think he's a good talent. And I think for me, rather than a right back, if he if he ever were to move position from from left back, it would be into that sort of pivot area into defensive midfield or maybe a central midfield area, like I say, where his range of passing can can really uh, be a huge asset, and and he has to worry slightly less about the physicality of mm. running up and down the left side for ninety minutes against some of the the top athletes in the world who tend to be playing on the wing those those more physical, quicker guys. Um, but yeah, he's a very exciting player and, and someone that uh, Scotland fans should definitely be uh, be keeping a keen eye on, I think, over the next couple of years. It, it's an interesting one, that, because I hadn't considered explicitly sort of, you know, maybe merging that, merging him into that sort of defensive midfield role or, or that sort of pivot role and number six sort of at the base of midfield, where, as you rightly say, the physicality element of it maybe is... Uh, less pressing than than you know going up and down the flank, going shoulder to shoulder with wingers, and you know having to having to hold your own going down the byline and and being moved inside. I think it's uh, I mean his passing range again is is one of the things which is, aside from his ball carrying is probably the yeah the, the, the second thing that you'd mention about Aaron Hickey mm-hmm. uh, as you said. Um, so yeah, it's it's one which I hadn't really considered, and and I suppose it's it's interesting with the backdrop of the Scottish national team as well because. 
I'm sure everybody's been listening to this and gone, well, 19-year-old Scottish left-back playing regularly in a Serie A side, but he's a left-back. And that yeah. does just so happen to be Andy Robertson. You know, Kieran Tierney obviously plays left-sided centre-half. But, you know, there, there does seem to be a, a good a good spread of Scottish fullbacks. Josh Doig as well, um, obviously coming through at Hibs. So, you know, I, I suppose that maybe having that malleability or the, the positional flexibility uh, could in future be be quite useful um, from from Steve Clark's perspective only, um, but yeah, it's it's one which I hadn't really considered. But I suppose if you've got that in your in your arsenal, then yeah, it, it can it can kind of make one place in your in your international squad effectively cover two positions. I think that's quite um, I think that's quite beneficial. And, and as you say, at nineteen, he's still got a lot of growing to do. He's still got a lot of maturing to do. Um, you know, there's there's still time to sort of mould him into a different type of player. So, yeah, I'm 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 keen to I'm I'm keen and I'm curious to see what sort of what happens with him over the next few seasons. But to this point, you can't really fault the experience that he's got and and whether that move has paid off. No, totally. And I think I mean the two things you mentioned there. So one, his malleability speaks to his his technical ability. He is a good technical player, and I don't want to sound like I've downplayed that. And and I think the other thing is. With him playing so regularly, it shows that people at Bologna have faith in him, um, and that there's an expectation that we that he will continue to v- develop and and will he already is a first team regular for him for for uh, Mihailovic and for Bologna. Um, I think the the way they played it was that last season was a bit of an internship for him, working uh, behind Mitchell Dykes. Um, but as as anyone who's followed Bologna will know, Mitchell Dykes is uh, isn't the most reliable in terms of his fitness. So. Hickey ended up playing a little bit more, but I think the plan was always that he would come in uh, and start regularly this season, and he has done. And what I would say is that he's generally played quite well. You know, I, I, again, I don't want to overplay it because there's, there's game, been games where he's been poor, particularly against Inter Milan. He struggled against Inter Milan last season as well. Um, but in general, he hasn't he hasn't stood out as being either outstanding or, or terrible, which for a 19-year-old at that level is actually very good. And that's the thing I would kind of encourage people to take away from it. It's, it's not so much that he's blowing people away with his talent and it's not, that he, it's not that I'm saying he's terrible. It's that he's doing just fine, which for someone his age is great. When, when you look at someone like Jude Bellingham as well, Borussia Dortmund, just for example, um, for me, Bellingham's a, a very good player and I know a lot of... Uh, England fans are excited about him. A lot of people in, in the, around the Bundesliga are excited about him. For me, the thing that stands out is that this season more so, he's, he's had some exceptional games. But last season, he was he was playing well, but not, nothing he was doing was spectacular in a sort of middling Dortmund team. But the fact that he's so young and holding his own at that level in itself is a, a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, very much like, you know, um, you know, keeping the, remaining on that even keel is actually quite difficult to do at, at top level professional football because yeah. you know you can have those games where you're spectacular. You come off the bench and you score two goals, and it's just ah, oh, you know, I, I can't believe that's just happened. Whereas then you then will not get a, an appearance for the next three months when you're that age because you know you can't be trusted. The the reliability factor isn't there, but clearly he's shown enough in training, and 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 I, and I like the, the Bellingham example. Uh, he's shown that just recently. So that Inter Milan game I mentioned where they, they lost 6-1, Hickey was substituted at halftime. It was a really bad time for him. He came back the next game, scored his first Serie A goal, had his, probably his best outing um, that he's had since moving to Bologna. And I think that 
that speaks a lot to his cap, not only to the faith that Mihailovic has in him to continue playing him, but also that his character to bounce back from that and and really give it his all the next game and put in his best performance so far for them. So I think everything you said there is bang on. Okay, so I feel quite bad that I haven't uh, got you to discuss a Scottish player, or in this in this case, two Scottish players who are in Germany at the moment, um, given that given your current circumstances. But yeah. Um, yeah, they I mean they're not in the first team, and 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 they probably haven't encountered Thomas Muller too often. But there are currently two uh, young Scottish players playing for uh, FC Bayern München's under 19s. Um, and they are Liam Morrison and Barry Hepburn, um, who I think are, fan- are fantastically named. Um, you know, you're not going to mistake them on the team sheet uh, for being Scottish, are you? Um, but both left Celtic sort of a year apart. Uh, but aside from that, I don't really know a great deal about either of these players, um, you know, because of, you know, obviously I, I, I saw when they moved and obviously that was raised to my attention because it was, you know, it's, it's an unconventional switch. But aside from that, I haven't really been sort of, my day-to-day has not revolved around their development at Bayern, put it that way. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, mate. Um, yeah, so they both moved over a um, year apart, like you said, I think uh, through the same agent, I think is the, the reason that actually happened. Um, and uh, they've both been progressing quite well. It's obviously been dif- a difficult time to be a youth player um, in any club with the with COVID going on. And in Germany in particular, it curtailed the seasons of the, the under-17s and the under-19s uh, both last year and the year before, I think. Um, so in terms of their on-field development, I think it's been a little bit tough. Um, but as you say, this season, they're both part of the under-19 squad. And a, a, a nice little fact is that the the second most common nationality in the, in the, the Bayern Munich under-19 squad is actually Scottish um, this season, which I think must be a first. That is excluding uh, one or two players who... Um, who have who have Kosovo in descent, but have opted to play for Germany. Um, but we'll take it next time you're in the pub. You can pop that little fact nugget out. Um, but yeah, I think they're both progressing really quite well. Uh, Morrison, in particular, has been more around the under 19s this season than Hepburn, but they're both very much part of the setup. Uh, neither of them are currently kind of regulars with the under 19s, which. It's obviously always going to be tough. The the, the under nineteens at Bayern Munich are, are very strong and very good. And there's there's guys there like uh, like Ibrahimovic. I've forgotten his first name, but he's he's a sixteen year old winger. He's clearly very good. He's playing for the nineteens at that age, um, and in a similar position to Barry Hepburn. And they obviously see Ibrahimovic as someone that's going to to break into the first team in the future. And perhaps Hepburn's a step behind him, but he's also still only seventeen. He's still progressing really well. He's still spending time around the under nineteens. He's still very much part of the squad. Um, so for the pair of them, like you say, it's it's hard to give a a true proper update because they've not played too much over the last two years just because of the circumstances. Um, but I know they're both enjoying their time out there. I know they're both. Um, adapting quite well they're both quite integrated with their teammates which is always a, a I was going to say a really big deal but probably the most important thing about anyone moving abroad and particularly a young player um, is is that integration and making sure that they they can communicate have fun spend time with their teammates and kind of get to know them because it can be very isolating if you move to a different country and everyone's speaking a different language and, and you don't know it particularly I think at that age when you're when you're so young um, and you're presumably still having to do some of your schooling alongside these guys and, and everything like that. I think they've, they've both adapted really well to that side of, of moving over. Um, the football side, I think they're doing well and, and it will come and hopefully 
Liam Morrison in particular can start to break into into the under-19s and play a bit more regularly than he has so far. For Hepburn, I don't think it's as vital. He's getting good game time. They obviously play other games behind closed doors and things like that, and I've seen footage of him recently uh, doing some wild things in training. Um, he's obviously still a big prospect for them, and, and hopes are high. Definitely. I mean, it's encouraging to hear because, you know, hearing any anything about young young Scottish players going out, going abroad and, and actually assimilating well to, to whether it's the culture or whether it's their teammates or the, you know, actually just getting minutes on the pitch. You know, if you can get an amalgamation of the three, uh, and I think that's that, that's as close as you can get to, to sort of, um, you know, being a surefire recipe for success, I think. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite encouraged by that. Yeah, I think as well. I mean, the thing to remember, obviously, saying that Morrison's not playing at the moment. He he's captain mm. Scotland at various age groups and things like that. But the reality of it is that most players at Bayern don't necessarily make it to the first team, or mm-hmm. most just don't make it to the first team. But I don't think there's much a, a much better finishing school for a player to be at. Um, it's a perfect environment to to train at the elite level. And and like I said in the intro when we were talking about Thomas Muller as a club, they're far and away the most professional, the most structured in Germany. I know for Morrison, for example, one of the reasons he moved over was that there was a pathway to the to, to first the first team and they do that with all of their youth players. They lay out goals and there's a, a strategy and, and a, a real plan behind um for, laid out for each of them so that they, they have clear milestones that they can meet um to continue to progress in their, their young career. Um and that like I say, might not end up in eventually getting to first team football, but it should set them up well for the future. Definitely, definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, moving on to sort of the uh, a little bit of a different segment on the Scouted Football Podcast, and it is still on the theme of of Scots abroad. Do not do not fret, uh, but it's the over twenty threes because while there are not an awful lot of Scots abroad, there are some who have been. Uh, I hate using the term, but football manager wonder kids at one time or another. Uh, and I think you probably know which avenue I'm going down here, Byron, because Ryan Gold, who you mentioned earlier, um, you know, he he has been, I mean, he's such an interesting case, isn't he? That the, the fact that he had obviously the, the breakthrough at Dundee United and then has, has went to, to Sporting Lisbon, well, I then went to, to Sporting Club de Portugal and and has spent time at Forense and and now finds himself in uh, in in Major League Soccer in the United States. Um, his is a very off the beaten track career path for for a Scottish inter- well for a Scottish footballer. I nearly said Scottish international yeah. there, and that's obviously a bone of contention, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, what is sort of the the, the rundown of his of his story? Yeah, so I, as you say, I'm very familiar with Ryan's story and, and wrote about it for the for the scouted football handbook um very proud to have done that by the way so thanks to thanks thanks to you and the guys for inviting me to do so um yeah so he's got a really interesting story like you say and i think he um i think he's a bit of a different character from what you normally expect from a scottish footballer or a british footballer he's he's always had in his mind that he would play abroad um since he was a young kid i think he was very keen to play in spain for example uh like you say he made the move to to sporting and to keep it short, it didn't didn't quite work out. I think as he had planned, and there's a myriad of factors that that go into that, and you can read about that in the in the handbook. But um, it didn't quite work out as expected. But I think the thing that he deserves credit for is is really sticking out in Portugal. He adapted and assimilated, like you mentioned with Morrison and Hepburn, probably more so than any any other Scottish player I've seen. And that he he learned the language really quite quickly. 
Um, he enjoyed the lifestyle. He, was, he got familiar with the country as a whole and, and was keen to stay out there and make it work. And he made that move to Forenza. And really, I think it's a good example of, of a player developing when they've been given game time, which which is super important. Um, he, he had really barely played um, much football or much consistent football at all in Portugal before moving to Forenza. Uh, and when he did, he, it didn't take him long to find his feet and quickly excel. Um, and not not just excel, but turn into a real team leader for them. You know, he he drove them to promotion um, to the Premier League, and then when in the Premier League, he was the driving force behind their their fight for survival, which eventually ended in relegation. But when you look at his performances, I think it was nine goals and seven assists in the end for for the worst or the the second worst team in the league. He really did everything he could, um, and that's nine goals and seven assists from a attacking midfield slash left winger role. And a team that's up against it 90% of the games, um, really having to play on the break and make the most of their opportunities. Uh, he really did everything that he possibly could for them. And I think he he earned his move. Um, that move eventually to MLS, to the Vancouver Whitecaps came. But I think, um, and actually I think a lot of people were kind of disappointed with that, particularly on Twitter and around Scottish football because they expected a bigger move giving, given his performances. Um I think for for Gold himself, the move made sense, but he did have interest from those bigger clubs. Two two of the top four in Portugal, I know, made contact and and were keen keen on his signature. There was obviously uh, links to Southampton Southampton in the Premier League, several Championship clubs, and I know uh, a couple of other clubs around Europe, perhaps in some smaller leagues, um, that were Euro- Europa League, Champions League qualifying teams uh, were interested in him as well and keen on his signature. Uh, I think in the end, the, the Vancouver deal made sense from a, a lifestyle perspective, which when we talk about his move to Portugal in the first place and his sort of different mindset from your typical footballer and his his willingness or want to kind of explore and learn new things and try new things, uh, that move, move to Vancouver made sense. Um, and then also in terms of game time, as a designated player in MLS, you're, you know you're going to play. And I think that was a big factor in that those top teams from Portugal and, and Southampton and the Premier League, although they were interested, he wasn't necessarily guaranteed that playing time, which I know is important to him. Um, but he's had a very interesting career, like you say. Uh, he, he very much would have been someone that I think scouted would have written about um, back in the day had it been around. He's he's one of those FM wonder kids that, that you always wonder how, if they're going to turn out as they do in the game. And I think although it's taken, taken a while for Ryan to really develop, I it's hard to argue that he, he's turned into a very, very good player. And like you say, to the point now where people are people are up in arms whenever a Scotland squad comes out and he's not in it. Yeah, I think it must be said as well. He's still only 25 years old, 25 going on 26. So there's still very, there's a, still an awful lot of his career to go and he's already seen and, and done quite a lot. Um, so I think... The, the the decision to to move to to Vancouver Whitecaps and and you know to to leave Sporting but remain in 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 Portugal with Forenza that was you know that will have been influenced by his experience in the game uh, which you know he's he's coming up to sort of around about eight nine ten years of of the professional game so I do I do admire uh, the the route that he's taken uh, and and you know I think he's he's a player which. For anybody who hasn't watched him, I think he, you know he's he's a standout. He, he he is a striking player just because of his his style, um, and with gold as well. I think it's very easy to 
to fit a narrative around his career path. Say, for example, if you were to just look at the clubs he'd played for and the times and the various loans, it'd be very easy to fit a narrative around that. Oh, well, Scottish player goes abroad or moved away too early, you know, didn't didn't do this, didn't do, do the other, didn't maybe didn't adapt and and um, and get get amongst it with, with, with the rest of his um, his teammates. I think it's very easy to fit that narrative without actually knowing the details and um, yeah, I was I was very pleased to, to to see that. I mean, it wasn't me who made the decision to uh, the, the, to to to, um, to host your your feature on Gold in, in the handbook, but uh, I'm I'm very 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 glad that that it is in there because I think it's very important that those sorts of stories uh, get told. Um, there is another player who is over 23, but not by much, uh, who is actually coincidentally the only. Uh, player who plays abroad uh, in the the most recent Scotland squad. Uh, that's Jack Hendry, um, who I was amazed to find out was actually over twenty three. I I thought he was. Tw- I mean, in my head, he must have been twenty three for so long. But anyway, he uh, this summer moved from Ostend in uh, the Belgian Pro League to Club Brugge, uh, who are obviously uh, a Champions League side. Um, he's already played against Lionel Messi, Neymar. Uh, who else? Who else at PSG? Kylian Mbappe. You know those types of players in in the competition this season. Um, didn't get an absolute pasting either. So I think that's you know that's that's reflective of uh, this yep. being a move which has paid off. But yeah, uh, Byron, what 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 of Jack Hendry and sort of the the rise that he's had? Yeah, Jack Henry's a really interesting one, and I actually think there's a lot of parallels between him and and Gold. Although Hendry didn't move uh, abroad. Uh, as a young player, I think in terms of what I was saying uh, regarding playing time being a very critical factor for a player's development, um, Hendry is someone that really didn't play a lot of football until he was at Dundee. And by that point, I believe he was already 21 or 22. Um, as a centre-back, he had one good season at Dundee, one good half season at Dundee and moved to Celtic. Um, and I think this is something that gets forgotten about. I'm always keen to remind people of this because... Henry's time at Celtic wasn't a success. I think that's fair to say. And there's a lot of Celtic fans that would be a lot more critical than that. But the reality of his move is that when Rodgers signed him from Dundee, Henry had played less than, I think it was 50 league games in his whole career. He was as a 23-year-old or so. Um, And then he was immediately thrown into Champions League qualifiers at Parkhead in a hugely pressurised environment. Um, and he struggled and he wasn't an experienced player. And I think uh, I think it just speaks to the importance of of that experience of having game time under your belt and of kind of knowing your position at, at an elite level and before you're able to excel at it. Um, I think the move to Ostend or the, the low move initially made total sense. Um, he obviously moved to Australia before that and suffered, I think, a cruciate ligament uh, injury that kept him out for over a year. So that one didn't quite pan out but that move abroad to kind of get him out of the spotlight um, really helped Jack's development and when you watch footage of him playing for Ustend last season especially you know we don't have to go too much into the Ustend setup and and the way they're structured but their team is always very young he was playing in a back three alongside two 19 year old centre backs and he was very much the leader in that and he excelled in that role you know he he was very vocal on the pitch. Not only that, he was he won everything that came his way too. So he was leading by example, but he was also very helpful and instructive for the young players around him. And I think because of that, he was able to recapture his confidence and he really grew from that experience um, to the point now where when you watch him play, he looks very assured, um, 
very in command of his backline, um, and that's true when he's playing for Scotland and now for Club Brugge, like you say, a club who that have shelled out, I think, in the region of €4 million Euros for him, which isn't a ton of money, but in the context of Scottish football, that's a, that's a fair sum. Um, and I think a lot of, like I say, a lot of Celtic fans were surprised that a club like Club Brugge were, were interested in, in him, a Champions League club. I'm sure they'd heard about how, how well he had done at Ustend. I believe they had the, the second best defensive record uh, in the league, in the regular season anyway. We'll, we'll call it the regular season because I don't want to get into the muddy waters of the uh, the Belgian playoff system. But um, oh, Honestly, the- please, let's not. It's it's yeah. so complex. I remember sort of researching it for uh, for a podcast last year and that is, oh, it's... It's far too complex for my liking. It's only trumped by Serie B's playoff system, um, yep. which is, it's just, it's mind boggling. Anyway, sorry to, to ruin your train of thought. No, I'm, I just would also say, have a look at the Erste Divisi's playoff system as well, because uh, that's broken down into quarters or something like that. And the winner of each, anyway, have a look in your own time, but it's it's a disaster. Um yeah, so uh, he they had a very good season. He was the commander of their back line. He led the league in, in aerial duels, his passing, which has always been a, a key part of his game and his ability on the ball, which is something that brought him to Celtic in the first place. I think it's what attracted Brendan Rodgers to him. Um, is still there. He's still very comfortable on the ball, um, but he's just really developed exactly as you would have hoped he would have at Celtic. Uh, he, he was able to do that at Ustend and now having made that move to Club Brugge, again, a big club like Celtic, playing in the Champions League, high-pressure environment. He, he's excelled early. It's obviously super early. He's only played, I think, four games at the moment. Um, but one of those coming against PSG in which they, they got a 1-1 draw, which is a huge result. The other Another one coming against RB Leipzig in which they, they took home all three points in an away game. Uh, managed to not quite keep Christopher and Kunku quiet. He did score, but keep that um, that RB Leipzig front line quiet, which is a very talented group of players. So he's done very well. And I think uh, he deserves credit for not only, you know, coming back from the, the scrutiny and the, the bad time he had at Celtic, but also coming back from a cruciate ligament minute injury to now playing for Scotland. I think most people would agree that he, he was probably man of the match in our, our 1-0 win over Austria. Um, you know, to come back, not just come back, but to come back to such a high standard and to be at such a high level is is really impressive. And I think at, at 26, he's only just got there, really. Um, but like I say, and like the, the point I made about Gold and the point I made about uh, about Hendry at the beginning, sometimes players develop at different rates, and it, and if there's talent there, you have to really give it a chance to develop and. and rather than just write them off immediately because they didn't work out at one club in one system under one manager. Um, players excel in different environments, and I think Henry's a, a prime example of that. You know, it's, sometimes it can take, I mean, it's something we say on this podcast so, so, so often, uh, that, you know, player development is not linear. Um, and the fact that minutes that will be given by certain managers will then be stripped away by others because of the situations that are, that are befalling certain clubs, you know, it's a lot easier to give minutes to a to an up and coming youth prospect at a club where the expectation is minimal, um, as as opposed to you know uh, a club with the stature of Celtic where the 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 expectation is 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 enormous, of course, in sort of uh, over the past you know decade or so. Uh, so I, I do I do know what you're what you're saying there with with Jack Hendry, but um, now it's time for the the honourable mentions list, and and I I listed down a few um, because I thought it would it would be impossible to to get through 
all of them. Uh, but uh, I, di- I did just want to, t- I mean, it's the nature of an honorable mention section, isn't it? You know, I did want did, to, didn't want to say that I'd forgotten all about them or they hadn't made the cut. So, you know, there's the likes of Fraser Hornby, who's at Stade Rem uh, in France in Ligue 1, uh, Jordan Holsgrove, who I believe is at Celta Vigo's B team, Liam Henderson in Serie A, as well as uh, Aaron Hickey, Harvey St. Clair, uh, Lauren Shankland, who's followed Jack Hendry's lead and gone over to, to Belgium with Beershot, uh, Lewis Morgan, who is in uh, MLS uh, alongside Ryan Gold. Um, but I'm led to believe, Byron, that you've actually got quite a few others uh, and a, f- a few more honourable mentions to, to name drop. Yeah, so uh, the, the guys you mentioned there are obviously worth talking about. Liam Henderson in particular, I think uh, he's had a, a good start to life in it with Empoli in Serie A, so hopefully he can continue performing there. He's a really interesting player to talk about, I think. From a Scotland perspective, he's developed into the type of midfielder we don't normally see. He's a, he's a bit of a mitzala. Um, you know, a number eight that, that that plays wide and can cross the ball well, and uh, he's a really interesting profile of footballer. That if he keeps keeps developing or put, keeps playing well for Empoli um, up until sort of Christmas or for the next six months, I think there will be calls. Will will be serious calls, and there should probably be serious. Um, uh, I see. We should probably take a serious look at him, perhaps being called up to the Scotland squad, um, but. Yeah, there's a bunch of interesting players. I think the ones you mentioned there, Fraser Hornby is another one that it's a big season for him. I think um, obviously just had a, a loan stint at Aberdeen. That I think it's fair to say it didn't quite work out well, but I also think it would be fair to say that Aberdeen fans would probably acknowledge that it wasn't the best environment for a player to to come into on loan. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, I've got a couple of other players that are probably more uh, suitable for a scouted podcast and probably... Um, more uh, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more unknown players that are a bit more in the Ewan Urain uh, mold, shall we say. So the first one I would mention is Thomas Kirkpatrick. He's a 17-year-old left-back. You'll be surprised to hear, Joe. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> at uh, NEC Nijmegen in the Eredivisie. So he's actually a Dutch, I think a Dutch under-17 international as well, but he's also played and trained with Scotland at under-16 level, so he's eligible for... with that with that surname, uh, he's not playing for anybody else apart from Scotland, but wow, that's that's quite a surprise. Caught me out, caught me off guard. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he's a fairly unknown one, and he he's only, I believe he's only trained with the under-16s for Scotland, I said he played there, but I, th- I believe he's only been invited to train, uh, but he is eligible, he's playing for Nijmegen's 18s, they're a good youth setup. I mean, he's coming through a Dutch academy, which is always just exciting anyway, um, but he's worth keeping an eye on in the future, I think. Another one's William Sandford, he's a, a 19-year-old defensive midfielder at Gothenburg in Sweden. Um, he is Swedish-born, has a Scottish father. He's been on trial at Rangers before. He's been on trial at St. Johnston. Um, he hasn't hasn't actually played at international level for, for anyone, but he's an interesting prospect. At, the academy at Gothenburg is very, very good. Um, and like I say, I know he's very proud of his sort of Scottish connections. I think he's someone that um, would hope one day to perhaps play in Scotland. I know he's keen to play in the UK. So um, he's one to look out for. And then two more that are three more that I'll quickly mention Jackson Conway a 19 year old striker uh, with Atlanta United actually born in Leeds Joe um, but uh, through his his granddad who played for Celtic um, I believe Jim Conway I don't want to get his name wrong but I believe it was Jim Conway through his granddad he's eligible for Scotland he's actually played seven games for Atlanta so far this season 233 minutes scored a goal uh, he's a really interesting prospect he's obviously eligible for Scotland for England for the US 
Um, but it's kind of as I was saying at the beginning, with Scotland being such a small country, um, I think these players are always worth exploring for us. Um, and then two more, Frank Ross with Go Ahead Eagles in the Eredivisie. He was a, a youth player at Aberdeen who had um, who they had quite high hopes for, I believe. Um, he's ended up moving to the uh, to the Eredivisie with Go Ahead Eagles, and they got promoted last season. He's unfortunately out uh, with a cruciate ligament injury, um, but he should return, I think, in the next month or so. Um, so he's he's a good one to look out for. I mean, if you're looking to watch some Dutch football, then definitely tune in to Go Ahead Eagles, and you can at least have someone to root for there. And then the last one I'll say is Andy Irving is the the third Scot in in Munich uh, this season. He's at Turkuju München in the Dritte Liga, 21-year-old who also came from Hearts. Still young, still developing. Hearts had high hopes for him, and he's ended up taking the bold step to move to Munich um, with Turkuju. He started his career there really quite well. Uh, he's broken into the first team quite regularly, um, so someone worth watching as well. Well, that, there's your list of names for, for future Scottish internationals, perhaps. No, I mean, it's it's always exciting to see how the, these players pan out and, and how their yeah. development, um, you know, continues. And, and yeah, there's a nice spread of, of countries there, a nice spread of clubs, a nice spread of dual internationals, uh, dual nationals as well. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that just about wraps things up for us on this week's episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. Um, thank you very much to to Byron for for his for his expertise. I think that's probably that's still not doing it justice at the moment. But um, for 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 your knowledge on 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 all things Scots abroad, um, for people who who would like to 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 read stuff that you've written or, or would like to follow you, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so it's just my name, Byron Hutchison, which. Uh... I guess isn't the easiest, but yeah, it's Byron Hutchison on Twitter, um, also on Instagram. If you, if you fancy seeing some behind the scenes from Bundesliga things now and again, um, you can follow me there. And then also footballfromafar.com if you fancy reading some, some longer form pieces about the players abroad and some analysis. Certainly. Right, well, that's all from us on the Scouted Football Podcast this week. Uh, I've been Joe Donahue. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please consider leaving us a review if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the previous 83. Uh, but yeah, uh, this has been the Scouted Football Podcast. Stay safe, take care. Bye for now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.